Hey everyone, uh, MJ from the Edit Bay here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode, our guest is Sarah Buttery, who is my co-host on my other show, Let's Draws for a Minute. Um, you guys may or may not know, but she is currently recovering from a leg injury um, that she suffered, so she wasn't able to record in her usual recording space. She had to record in a common area of her home. As such, there are um, household noises that happen during some of her parts, so... Just bear with us through that. and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm Michael Morey. I'm Corey Tyndall. And this week, we are talking about Stranger Things, um, but we are joined by a guest uh, whose voice should be familiar if you listen to my other podcast, Let's Jaws for a Minute, because uh, she's my co-host over there, uh, Sarah Buttery. Welcome to Real Perspective. Hey, thank you so much for having me. The podcast worlds collide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mike and Corey, you guys are booked on the Spielberg seasons of uh, mm-hmm. of LJ Fam as well. Yeah, so. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. And then Mike will be on a very special episode of LJ Fam that will be... You'll find out about later. Oh. We're also coming on to talk about Minority Report, War of the Worlds, or the Worlds. War of the Worlds, yeah. Whoa, yeah. Mike. And then Corey's going to talk about The Post. I am. Yeah, so Stranger Things Season 4, or as it's stylized, Stranger Things 4. Uh, it's been three years now, I think, since the last Stranger Things came out. Um, and obviously this was filmed during the pandemic, and there's a lot of delays. Um, it picks up relatively, like, a it, uh, what is it, roughly a year after the last one? After three? Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it's more like, yeah, it's like yeah. eight or eight nine months. Eight months. It's eight months. Yeah. Eight months. That's right. Joyce says it's been eight months yeah. at one point. But it would be yep. the next school year for them, yes. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. So Joyce and uh, Will and Eleven and Jonathan have all moved to California, and the rest of the gang is back in Hawkins uh, starting high school. Everyone's starting high school, but it takes place over their spring break. So Mike is going from Hawkins to uh, Lenora, California, um, which is where they moved to, also a fictional town in California. And... Uh, as that starts to happen, kids start dying, as is par for the course in Hawkins at this point. Um, uh. And uh, at the center of it is this kid named Eddie Munson, uh, who people believe was uh, running a cult, which was his D&D group, that basically is doing these ritual killings of teens around Hawkins. And so in Hawkins, you have the sort of angry mob going after Eddie, while also it's uh, this new character uh, with several names. I'm sticking with Vecna, because that's what they called him for most of the show. Um, named Vecna, who is the one actually killing these these kids, and he's part of the Upside Down. Um, and we get a lot of backstory with him late in the season, and so we'll talk about him later. 
So that's what's happening in Hawkins. And then in California, um, Mm -hmm. Joyce goes to uh, Russia to save Hopper, who's alive from last season. And then the kids, uh, uh, Eleven gets taken to a facility in Nevada to regain her powers as she's lost her powers since she's left Hawkins. And then the remainder of the California kids, plus a new character named Argyle, um, basically go on a rescue mission to find Eleven and help them save Hawkins. Everyone's trying to save Hawkins still. That's still the, still the plot of the show. It's just uh, all over the place, literally and figuratively now. <laughs> um, so that's the overall thing that happens in Stranger Things. However, this is a very long season of television. Most of these shows, nine episodes, but most of them are pushing an hour and a half, and the final episode mm-hmm. is two and a half hours yeah. long. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, a lot happens within those different subplots, and the the, the show is spinning a lot of plates. Um, but that's the big bird's eye view of of what happens in Stranger Things Four. So, Sarah, we'll start with you. What did you think overall about Stranger Things Four? I really really enjoyed it, and it's funny because I was seeing some kind of negative opinions about it on Twitter, it seemed, before we started watching it. I think we had to wait a couple days after it it sort of first aired um, to to start watching it. So all I'd really seen was people saying how it wasn't as good as previous seasons, how it was a bit lackluster, a bit all over the place. And then we started watching it, and from, from pretty much the first episode, I was like, I am really into this (laughs) this idea this uh, how dark it is as well it's really freaking dark the the first death which is chrissy nice jaws reference we love to see it um is is so is so brutal and i'm a bit of a wuss when it comes to horror so i was kind of watching it between my fingers like if this is gonna be how these kids are gonna die for the rest of this season we're gonna have a fun time (laughs) watching this from (laughs) behind a cushion or something but yeah i i really enjoyed this season having had a bit of time to reflect on it i think it is also my favorite season we're doing a bit of a rewatch at the moment as well um just finished uh series two today actually so um going back and watching those seasons in the context of some of the big reveals that we get in season four is interesting as well particularly around vecna um but a Mm -hmm. lot of great stuff in this season that i really really appreciated and there's so much to dive into as well so very excited to have the opportunity to talk about it (laughs) Yeah, uh, Corey, what did you think? Was this more like a documentary for you since you live in Indiana? Is, that, is, <laughs> yeah. this, just, is this just what happens every day in Indiana? Yeah, you know, it's like we got found footage films like this all the time. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we just call them home movies, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Stranger Things um, as a whole. Just a little bit of context. I was telling everybody before we got on mic i have not watched stranger things since the first season i remember watching it and i really loved it i thought it was super well done and we started the second season and we just never finished just because different things going on in our lives so over the last two weeks i've had like a holistic um like immersion into stranger things so season two three and now four and this show is just so well done i will say specifically because some of the past shows and movies we've talked about on this podcast 
um, Kenobi cough cough have been <laughs> terrible, and so getting to watch this and just just everything, the writing, the production value, the cinematography, just like everything, like is so good in comparison to just a lot of stuff that's on streaming services. So I really enjoyed that uh, thematically and with the story. I thought season four did a really good job. We can talk more about this, but I like I enjoyed okay. it, but I think it. It had some really strong moments, but I think it's servicing more to kind of like set up season five. There's some things that kind of felt like, okay, like this is good, but I think they're going to pay off some of these other things in the next season. So overall, I thought it was really good. I thought there was a couple key moments. We'll probably talk about those with specific characters. I think were really, really well done. Um, But yeah, I enjoyed it. I think like... I know I've seen a lot of people online trying to like rate the different seasons, but for me, it probably is in the top two. Like if we're going between all four of them, but I don't mm-hmm. know yet. It's still pretty fresh. Yeah. Mike, what did you think? I actually agree with Corey. I think it's in my top two favorite seasons. I think the best one since the first season, uh, third season really, really lost me. I felt like it just became a total cartoon, which then again, <laughs> parts of four also became a cartoon, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, but while I did really enjoy this season for the most part, I do think that splitting the season into halves really hurt my enjoyment of it. I, maybe I was in a weird mood or something like that when the second batch of episodes came out, but my course of watching it was I really dug volume one. That's what you want to call it, I guess. That's what they're calling it. Then uh, it left with a really good episode with the reveal of Vecna being one slash Henry slash whatever else his names are. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But then volume two, I thought was, it was very long. And I watched it all in one go, similar to how you watched it, MJ, (laughs) which we'll get into. And some of those episodes, two of those episodes, did not need to be as long as they were. Uh, They just felt a little dragged out did not need 50,000 epilogues like Lord of the Rings Return of the King style <laughs> and I was kind of in a all right like this is everything like I kind of expected but they're not getting to the point quick enough mm-hmm. uh, you know when we've talked a little bit about predictability and how that can be a good thing sometimes but then on this I felt like everything kind of just went according exactly the way that I thought it was going to and I've already kind of seen a lot of this happen before in three other seasons. So yep. it was wearing a little thin on me, and especially in that last episode to get to the end. And I was speaking afterwards with actually my parents who were watching it. And my dad brought up a good point, which I completely agree with. And he said, you could change a couple of things around and you could have just basically ended the show this season. And I mm-hmm. felt very much like you maybe could add an episode. And obviously you change some of the plot points. Um, yeah, but mm-hmm. there's it, it, it could really just end soon and now and I would have been satisfied and the fact that I'm already kind of dreading some of the stuff that they're gonna have to go through in the fifth season mm-hmm. uh, how many more episodes we're gonna have to go to when really you could have maybe one or two more to cap it off here uh, it left me with a weird taste in my <laughs> mouth uh, it was a bitter aftertaste which is weird because I actually was really digging it for the most part yep hundred percent agree with you, Mike. This is funny. I was the whole time I was like, oh no, everyone's been really positive on this. I feel like I'm, this is going to be a one V all, but now Mike and I are on a team, but uh, no, I feel 
identically. Like it's such a it's such a mix. It's not it's not a, even a mixed bag of a season. Like no. I'm, I have very complicated thoughts with this this season of, of television because I really like six ninths of it yeah. <laughs> um, and that that seventh episode we had to hold off because i had to watch or one i had to watch obi-wan which is another you know six hour commitment um and then i had like other podcasts i had to watch stuff for so by the, the time i got to this last three episodes because they released the first seven and then they released the last two um and so we had watched six of the original seven and then over the last two days, I watched seven and then literally minutes before we hit record, <laughs> finished the last two episodes. Um, so eight and nine. So all volume two, all in all in one sitting. And I mostly really liked it. I thought five and six were kind of filler episodes. We'll get into more specifics with that kind of stuff later. But I think one of the things Stranger Things does well with the medium of television, particularly a serialized version of storytelling, right? Because there's kind of two options. You have you serialized and episodic. And most stuff is serialized now. My big complaint is that 90% of serialized television would be better served as a movie. And <laughs> that's especially now that we're getting all these Marvel and Star Wars shows, not a single one of those shows couldn't have benefited from being a movie. Yep. And... Stranger Things I've always really admired because they've understood the duffers, I mean, who are behind this. They're sort of the, the 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 minds behind this. They created the show and write and direct a bunch of the episodes along with Sean Levy. Um, I think they understand the medium of television better than anyone else trying to do episodic television besides like Vince Gilligan right now and Matthew Weiner when Mad Men was on. Like mm -hmm. it... They understand that what makes good TV is not adding a bunch of characters, but going really like plumbing the depths of the characters that we start the show with. And I feel like almost no other TV show understands that right now. Um, having not seen Better Call Saul, I think Better Call Saul probably does that. But if you look at the characters they've added, there are only what, two two and a half major characters added, and one of them was a setup for season five, Vicky. Um, they only add like Eddie and Argyle, right? Like mm -hmm. that's about mm -hmm. it. Um, as far as like meaningful new characters and so sort of the Russian guy, yeah, um, yeah. sort of the jock bro guy who leads the charge against the cult. But yeah, 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 <clears throat> yeah. Um, but as far as like the core protagonist, because that guy's mm -hmm. an antagonist too. Because yeah, right. right, you always need to add like a new antagonist or whatever. But as far as like core protagonists go, there's only two new characters, and one of them isn't very well defined. Argyle. Um, so they only really spend time with one of those new characters, which is Eddie. And I think that's a perfect way to tell, to talk about, or to, to set up your television show is to have this core group of characters that we're following through all these hours of their lives and all these big events and like not really adding too much to them. And when we do making sure that it means something, and I think they've always done that really, really well. And I think that's no exception here. I think a lot of the arcs are really good. I really like what happens with Max mm -hmm. over the course of the season. I even really like what happens with Eddie over the course of the season. Um, once again, Steve Harrington is the man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I loved all of that. But it is so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's so long. Like, I, I do not understand why the, the last episode had to be 
as long, if not longer than a friggin' Marvel movie. Like <laughs> there was no reason for that. I could not yeah. believe by the time we got to spoilers, Max dying and L reviving her, that there was an hour of that show. Left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could not believe that. And like, I was joking, uh, with the open with the episode seven, because I think that Vecna reveal was really good, but I really didn't like the way they did it because he talked forever. Yeah. Um, I, I said written and directed by the Duffer Brothers, edited by nobody. <laughs> uh, it just, it was such a long season of television and I don't think it did enough to justify hour and a half long episodes across the board and a two and a half hour finale. That was my big hang up with it. But it was such a big hang up that I also did feel kind of like a bitter aftertaste mm. with it where it's not like I'm done, but I also very felt very much felt like do a movie. <laughs> maybe maybe like maybe do like the fear street movies where you do like three over the course of three months or mm -hmm. three weeks or whatever they did mm -hmm. um and cap off the series but yes. i don't know we need another nine episodes of where we left off like yeah so it's good it's not ter terrible i think if you're a fan of stranger things you should absolutely watch it and there's you know you're not going to be like it's not way off base or anything like that. And there's really, really good stuff in it. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's several good performances in it. Um, I think a lot of the characters go really interesting, good places for themselves. But at the same time, there's a lot of fluff and a lot of unnecessary stuff. And a lot of characters who should have died didn't die. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's Season that's five. my overall what's that i said season five we're saving it yeah. for season five season five i think season five should be a bloodbath like <laughs> it's gonna have to deliver on a lot of the stuff they set up mm -hmm. yeah i mean it, to put it a, to put it more succinctly i guess i should say the longest nightmare on elm street movie is 112 minutes yep mm. and this is nightmare on elm street the tv show so. <laughs> i think a, a major problem with the length of it though is the fact that they just throw all these episodes at you at once so obviously you didn't have the mm. most ideal situation mj where you were just from the moment you wake woke up this morning having to watch those last two episodes because they are chunky meaty episodes that yeah. i think need a little bit of time to to digest and i said this um to my husband martin when we were watching this i was like this would feel like so much more of an event if these things came out weekly and there's there's drawbacks to that as well obviously you know it leaves a lot of these episodes hanging on a bit of a cliffhanger you have to you're dying to watch the next installment as it were find out what happens next but imagine you know the the buzz on social media and how much people would be talking about these things if they released these episodes weekly and then you would have that time in between to to digest them as well you can talk theories you can you know it would be a, a nightmare for spoilers but also because social media is what it is we kind of felt like we had to watch them really really quickly for fear of having something spoil i mean we watched mm -hmm. the last two episodes i think the day the day or the day after they came out it was pretty soon anyway and I was already seeing stuff about Eddie and what happens to Eddie and Max on on Twitter mere hours after it had after they'd been made available. So it's impossible to avoid these things and and that I guess would make it 
difficult, but I do like and somewhat miss that tuning in to watch every week kind of vibe rather than just like, here's a million hours of television. You have to watch it. <laughs> instantly otherwise it's gonna get <laughs> otherwise it's gonna get ruined for you <laughs> yeah i p kind of agree but then also they did have a month-long break which is not the same thing as being weekly between you know the first part of the season and the last part and i actually mm, felt mm -hmm. like a lot of momentum was lost by having that break in between uh i felt like i wasn't <laughs> really invested it took me probably a good hour into the newest batch of episodes for me to kind of get back in the groove and kind of get reinvested in what was happening to the characters. Uh, so I, I don't, at least speaking for me, the break, I think kind of killed some of the momentum and it hurt my enjoyment of it. I don't think it would have maybe addressed either way. My feelings mm -hmm. that the last two episodes are just unnecessarily long and just a little repetitive. And I, I felt like in general, there's just one other problem with this season and it's kind of a major one. Uh, Hopper should have died last season. We did yeah, not. Yeah, 100%. His, his survival <laughs> did not justify, or sorry, let me rephrase this. The Russian subplot did not justify his survival. Uh, if, if that was the idea that they had, it was like, we're going to go wow. and have him do Russia hijinks. Not worth it. <laughs> because every time they went and cut back to that stuff, I was, but, well, not every time, but in the beginning I was on board. I was like, okay, this is interesting. But yeah. when he escaped the prison, but then got caught and put back in and they escaped the prison and then decided to go back to the prison. I was done. Dude, I was so that, done with that story. I think the the big thing, and this has been a criticism, which I guess is maybe a little unfair because people are trying to do what they have to do. It was COVID, right? Like that's why they did it. They, they, that yeah. part specifically that smacked of, we rewrote this from the ground up because we can only film with like certain chunks of the cast. Yeah, time. yeah, I, I, that might be the case. Um, or he was filming Black Widow and Hellboy. Yeah, there, yeah, there's something up. Yeah, he's being isolated from other characters and actors, so they don't have to go and worry about their schedules. But you know what? Just because you have a dude contracted for the whole season does not mean that he needs to show up in every episode. Like, you yeah. could have had him show up an episode or two into mm -hmm. this season and then have him be in flight or in transit back to America for a couple episodes at the end of this season. I did not need to see that subplot every episode. That Yuri character really got on my nerves by the yeah. end of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's just like an, an encapsulation of some of my problems. Like not every storyline needed to go and wait until the very last episode to go and resolve. You could have had some yeah. wrap up earlier and then you don't need to have the last episode be two and a half hours. Like I don't need to have every character go and contribute to the final battle on their different like planes of, of fighting. It just because then whenever they would cut away to a different person, it's like 20 or 30 minutes until you get back to the other yeah. storyline or whatever by that last episode. So it was more of a pacing thing that hurt my enjoyment of those last episodes. Yeah, the the Russia subplot mm -hmm. really takes the wind out of the sails for me. It was my least yeah. favorite part of the whole series. And I remember saying at one point, like, this feels like it should have been wrapped up by now the fact that they dragged it out for the for the whole thing and it's not until like the last episode that they make it back and they have the big reunion moment right right yeah and also like this mm -hmm. this not killing off characters thing i i've complained many many times about the the rise of skywalker but this sort of fake out thing they do with like oh this person's mm. dead and then it's like psych not really they're back yeah. Yeah. i i shed many <laughs> tears over hopper's death in series three and 
uh, I want them back because I feel like I, I, feel like I wasted <laughs> yeah. them. It's like, and yeah. they're going to do the same with Max, right? And right. I yeah. absolutely sobbed thinking that, that Max was dead because she is one yeah. of, if not my favorite character in the whole thing. So the I think actually Millie Bobby Brown said something in an interview or, or something recently where she was like yeah they should kill off more characters and i completely agree because yeah. as heartbreaking mm-hmm. as it is you can't tell me there's all these big monsters and threats to hawkins and none of these people are dying it just it doesn't yeah it doesn't none make of sense. these children literal yeah. children trying yeah. <laughs> to fight them off are, are not getting murdered like I, yeah. it just really doesn't make sense and there are so many characters whose arcs like end yeah or yeah. have ended that They're aren't de- like jonathan 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 can get yeeted man like <laughs> yeah. i don't care about that guy at <laughs> all um yeah, like if they and like you know argyle's a new character but you know have him and jonathan go out in a blaze of glory right like yep. the, that's an easy sell <laughs> pun um <laughs> yeah pun 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 yeah. very intended actually yeah. <laughs> uh but i mean even even nancy kind of like she she doesn't really have anything to do right yeah. now. I don't she know. She's better yeah. this season, but yeah, yeah, I agree. See, that's another one of the, like, they were setting up a lot of these characters that I think they were like, we're ready to kill them, but not yet. And so, like, you're halfway through this season, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're finally going to, like, resolve her. Like, her character arc is done, basically. It's like, it's all the stuff with Barb and Steve and Jonathan. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Like, you know, when he's talking to her and, like, bringing all the stuff and it's like oh he's going to kill her i was like oh yeah i can see that making sense but then they pulled that back so i don't know if that's like yeah they're trying to set it up you know and she had the thing of where she kind of saw the future of things mm-hmm. like he was telling her stuff so i don't know if they're gonna again it was one of those things i think they're gonna pay it off in season five and maybe her die but i'm not sure yeah but <clears throat> my problem with that is we need to have stuff like that along the way yeah. to make us feel like there's stakes. Yep. You know, like, I, and especially like the, the Max death fake out, like, I don't think Max should have died at the in the first place because I think there's still more story to tell with that character beyond her, like, accepting that Billy, like, accepting, you know, her complicated relationship with her stepbrother because it's clear that there's, like, unresolved stuff between her and Lucas that you could explore. Yeah, So. Right. You could do you like I don't know why she was the one that the that they decided like we're gonna kill her but then we're not gonna kill her and then Eddie's the only one who like truly dies but now now that's even thrown into question right because last season yeah. ended with Hopper dying and <laughs> surprise like mm-hmm. he's not dead so now yeah. it like it rings totally hollow when any of these characters come close to dying so yeah we should have had a couple major character deaths at this point and like I, I I'm no fan of the man even before you know the uh more hashtag problematic stuff about him came out but i think that's one of the things joss whedon did understand mm-hmm. about this type of storytelling is that hey you need to you need to make it feel like these people are in danger because sometimes they are and then sometimes they die and sometimes it's characters you don't want to die and yep. they die yeah I'm, mm-hmm. I, and people go and say um like you don't need to go and game of Th- games of thronesify everything <laughs> right but to me i mean i came from a school of people who watched the, the show 24 which is underrated and people should watch more of it it mm-hmm. kind of set up a lot of serialized stuff that we see today and doesn't get enough credit for it but that show was freaking ruthless like fan favorites just died and it, it made feel like things were off limits and when it comes to this show it feels like every single one of those kids, especially the most popular ones, are completely off limits. They have mm-hmm. body armor or uh, plot armor 
the entire way through. Like, did anyone really think that um, Steve was going to go and bite it or Dustin at any point? I, I really don't think no. so. They were trying to throw up death <laughs> flags, but you knew that yeah. <laughs> people would go and literally boycott their Netflix and cancel their subscriptions. And Netflix knows it if Steve died. So maybe, you know, you'll get a couple major deaths at the end of this when it's all over, but you need to string them around along the way because yeah. <clears throat> you, otherwise you're not taking it seriously until the very end. And then by the very end, it doesn't really matter as much because it's like, Cause well, it's over anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. over either way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and even Mike, I mean, he had a character arc which was involving how much of a waste of space he is and has been <laughs> for the last <laughs> couple of seasons. Dude, dude, this series, he was one of the main, he was like the second lead of this oh. show. And the, this season just does not give a shit about him. Yeah. All the California people, they just were kind of like, I don't know what to do with them. So Yeah, yeah. Just... so they'll all be together and not doing things together and yeah. wallowing in their uselessness. Uh, yeah. But yeah he's another one who probably could have gone a while back but eddie was a sacrifice but he's kind of one that like the expected sacrifice where he's like a guy just joined the season people don't have a ton of investment in him yet he's kind of like you know what previous seasons have had where they have the guest person kind of join the cast and then bites it at the end type thing yeah yeah so even his stuff didn't register with me like i kind of saw it coming from a mile away i also kind of just don't feel like his sacrifice is telegraphed well i mean not done well because the audience knows this his character doesn't but like he didn't really accomplish much in his distraction and i didn't understand like why he decided to stop running and then just give up and die because now his character arc is about how he won't run anymore it it was really strange like you can you can contribute more by actually like continuing to run right now and distracting the monsters more than just biting it right now It, it was poorly done in my opinion so like that didn't even register with me is my point i i wonder if they had accounted for eddie being as popular as it seems Mm. he is now like all i see Mm -hmm. people talking about is how much they love this character so i will be livid if they decide to bring him (laughs) if they decide to bring him back because i think they do there do need to be stakes mm-hmm. and as obvious as it is to like introduce this new character and then kill off that person just because he is now so popular and everyone is losing their minds over this character does not mean that mm-hmm. that is a good enough excuse to bring him back like more of these mm-hmm. kids need to die <laughs> controversial yeah. kill more kids <laughs> but basically yeah. it it needs to ha- it needs to happen there needs to be there needs to be these stakes and well, not to like yeah. jump on the like we hate Mike train, but he is such a useless character in this series. If they had killed him off, honestly, I would not have been mad at all. And I am I am so upset by the moment where I think it's when they're in the car and Will is Will is talking to him, and it's it's kind mm-hmm. of there but not there that but Will is possibly gay. I think it's very likely that that he is. Um, based on some of the conversations he's had and it's like he's trying to tell Mike that and then Will breaks down in tears and Mike is just not not bothered. He just sits there at yeah. all. He's just like, ah oh, man. Yeah. Thanks. Your best like your <laughs> best friend is crying and like the whole yeah. having gone back to series one and series two very recently this mm-hmm. kid is like ride or die for Will. Like they are best friends. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> this guy is having like 
an emotional heart to heart with him, crying his eyes out, and Mike is just sat there like, yeah, I don't hmm. care. I'm my entire character arc now is eleven. Nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Yeah. And again, I, f- I I worry that that's kind of giving into the the pressure of like how popular eleven were as you know is their ship name that you mm. know people only care about Mike and eleven. That's one of the least interesting things about the show for me now i don't yeah i'm not super invested in that i'm so much more invested in the other characters i'm still invested in 11 i think she's a an interesting character and i liked what happened with her in this series in terms of having to explore her past and go back into that in order to unlock her power possibly more powerful than than she has ever been i i enjoyed that but yeah mike could have died in this series and i wouldn't have been upset. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been upset not yeah. a tear would have been shed yeah. yeah i well and i think i think one of the things we're driving around is um there are only like three of these young actors who are any good at acting um, <laughs> Ooh, controversial four, take, but i kind four, of agree four there's four there's four uh it's steve robin uh uh max and nancy towards the end of this season got pretty good she was not one of my favorites, but uh, I liked I liked kind of where she not necessarily ended up, but I liked the way she performed after she had her encounter with Vecna. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she, I thought she played that really well. Um, but yeah, I, the rest of these kids are like pretty pretty limited, and like Finn uh, Wolfhard. I would, I would Finn add. And I would add Will Schnapp. to that. I think Will's okay. It's just he's not really? given. Yeah, I mean, like the some of his emotional stuff. I think. Um, I think was better this season um yeah and, and I lucas think just, was okay but yeah, yeah. Lucas, lucas was okay with the Go max ahead. scene like I, yes i felt like that was like oh you have like more range because they don't yeah. really give him a ton to do it, yes. it was confusing because yeah. it felt like his whole subplot of trying to be popular they started to set it up and then it they didn't really do anything with it but i was like oh like he has some more range with that scene with max dying mm-hmm yeah but yeah. generally, uh, the other ones that you've mentioned, MJ, were given more to do more consistently. So I yeah. would agree. Although I think that uh, what's Maya Hawke's character's name again? I Robin. Robin. I feel like she was given a lot less to do this season. Yeah. And she kind of annoyed me a little bit with her jokiness this time around. Versus like last season, she was a breakout star. You're like, holy crap, yeah. this character. Yeah, she was this really character, great. This actress three. is really good. Uh, this one just didn't register as much with me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, it's weird because she gets a lot to do. Like, she's present for a lot of it, but a lot of her stuff is like, I'm gay and awkward. And it's like, okay, well, but you had like like a lot of depth. Like, yeah, well, you had like a lot of depth to you last season where you were like kind of struggling with this. And they kind of bring that in with like the, the, the girl she's into. But then just by virtue of how much other stuff happens in this season, like that kind of gets abandoned and then brought back a little bit at the end. And like, I don't know. Like, it, it seems like they didn't really know what to do with her character after she came out to, to Steve. And so yeah. it's like, well, okay. <laughs> and like now, like, that like exclusively defines her character when that wasn't really the case before, yeah, before that, re- yeah. like, that reveal. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think some of the kids are a little limited actually i still can't decide if millie bobby brown's a good actress or not yeah yeah <laughs> like we're four seasons Same. into this and i'm still not sure to be honest with you that, <laughs> which is crazy um yep yeah so she's she's one of like the emblematic examples of she takes up a lot of screen time but i'm not exactly sure i 
think that she's acting or if she's just staring blankly at stuff. It's a very weird kind of situation to be in. It's kind of her character though, isn't it? Isn't it really? Yeah, it's yeah just right. Like... Is it the writing or is it the acting? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, but also it's like, okay, well, so she's supposed to be kind of evolving as a character to like even trying to fit into society and like it's not going well, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but immediately like and she does okay at the beginning when she's trying to like fit in and like has those bullies or whatever um but like it once she becomes just just 11 again i was just like oh we're doing this again huh or still (laughs) like it just it feels like it took away any of the depth that that beginning of the season gave her Mm. yeah i understand that complaint i mostly agree with it in terms of her characterization i thought it went to some okay places in terms of the plot and some of the revelations mm-hmm. yeah uh, and so it, that was very much a decision where it was plot driven versus character driven mm-hmm. uh so i know that mj you and i have been kind of dunking on things and i kind of feel like it kind of set the tone for the rest of the episode so far but right. um I, I do know that sarah and Corey were more positive on it and i did overall like probably like you were saying enjoyed like six or seven out of nine of these episodes so what was like good about it um and i'll just throw it out to anybody sarah like what did you enjoy about this season yeah i i think thematically i think this season is one of the the richest ones and i particularly appreciate how it looks at trauma, uh, something that we seem to talk about a lot on on LJ Fam. But the the idea that this that this monster that Vecna is attacking these kids who have experienced some shit, um, I found that idea really really interesting. And this whole thing with with music being the thing that is able to to pull you out of that darkness is something that I personally resonated with and i just the i think max's arc (laughs) is maybe my favorite Mm. thing about this series she has the best episode of the series i think dear billy is probably Mm. maybe the best episode of stranger things i once i finish my rewatch i'll confirm that but Mm. i think it's exceptional and it not just for the the kate bush moment but for everything leading up to that this idea of being on borrowed time that this character this young kid as well like you know we're talking about kill more kids but this is a kid who is like <laughs> fully facing up to the fact that she is about yeah. to die and is okay yeah. with that and is going through these motions of just making peace you know with with that writing the letters to to characters present mm-hmm. and and gone and I found I found that, and I think as the sort of midpoint of of the series was a, a really bold step as well. And again, any time that it deviated away from that in any of the episodes, I was kind of like, "Ugh, go back to the thing I'm interested in." But just that the other characters around her as well were the way that they always are in Stranger Things, which is like, what's the plan? How are we going to stop this? Putting the wheels in motion to to think about how they can stop this thing from happening while you've got this other character who is on a completely different trajectory, I just thought was, was super, super interesting. And uh, speaking as someone who doesn't really 
vibe with horror that much. I really enjoyed how sinister and scary <laughs> this season was. I mean, every single moment where those kids started like levitating and their bones mm, were cracking was yeah. just absolutely horrific. But as a visual, so, so striking. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, even before we get the reveal about who he is, and I guessed... I guessed part of Vecna. I didn't. I guessed he was one. I didn't guess he was Henry Creel until quite far into it. Um, I think as as a, a villain, having a villain that is a bit more human really added something mm-hmm. to this series that the other series don't have. I mean, we get it in mm-hmm. in three a little bit when Billy is kind of the face of of the the Mind Flayer and mm-hmm. they're sort of taking these bodies and then just exploding them to build its its own body or whatever but this just having a villain that seemed to have have a bit more to it was something that i that i really really liked and i can't remember who said it earlier apologies but this series does feel like it could have and possibly should have been the last series because vecna feels pretty end game i don't know Mm -hmm. I know they've set up the the end, which is this sort of you know great rifts that have now gone through Hawkins, and now suddenly the people there are very aware that there is something going on, even though they're told it's an earthquake. But whatever, that you know there is now the final battle or whatever that needs to be happen needs to happen. But we kind of convinced ourselves about halfway through that this was the last series. <laughs> we had to fact check it. I was just like, is there a series? Yeah. <laughs> is there a series five? Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, that's a lot. But I think they're the things that I that I appreciated most about this series. Mm-hmm. Corey, no, that's that's really good. There's a lot of stuff. I'm like, wow, you you. I'm like exactly tracking with you. Um, I really enjoyed Max's character arc, mm-hmm. um, and specifically like i mentioned earlier since i have watched these all in like pretty close succession like all the different seasons it's been cool to see how they've introduced different characters and like where they've taken them and max is one of those characters when she gets introduced in season two you're kind of like okay like i i like her as a character what are they going to do with her and i feel like consistently from season two to season three and now they have continue to really develop her character well and yeah that whole episode Sarah like you were saying like the Dear Billy episode it was so good and like the idea of her just having to like reckon with death and like what does that mean and her relationship with Billy and just her relationship with all the other kids particularly like Lucas how she's like pushed them away like I thought all of that was like really well done and then obviously you know like the scene at the end with her and Vecna like I thought all of that was it was so well done and so well crafted and I really love the themes that you know that episode in particular I mean like it's in this whole season but just like really kind of brought to the forefront of the show so I really liked what they did with her character I'll say one thing holistically like having you know again watched a lot of Stranger Things in a close time I think the show does a really good job of like pairing characters with different characters, characters mm-hmm. who you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a magic in like what, what comes out of that. And, you know, like, like for example, season three, say what you will, like, I know it gets a little bit kind of silly and wild, but like watching that, like some of their, 
their choices of who to pair with who. So I'm thinking like Steve and Robin and, mm-hmm. you know, Dustin and mm-hmm. uh, Erica. Like that was a, it was a weird like, okay, what's going on here? But then like some of those characters played off each other so well. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about this show. In this season, I felt like there was there was some of that, but like kind of like we've mentioned, there were some of these other subplots where I was like, I felt like I wasn't, I didn't have as much time to sit with like some of that, mm-hmm. or like it didn't feel like they really developed like all the Russia stuff. It's like okay, like they have kind of been together before. I don't really fully understand. It was the storyline that probably least engaged me after a little bit. Um, but anyway, all that to say, like. I really love some of the character dynamics between the different characters that they pair up here. So even like mm-hmm. in this season again, like I know we've kind of had Steve and Nancy before, but it's kind of been a minute since they've really been able to talk to each other. And so yeah, some yeah. of the the episodes at the back end, I thought were really good where it was like Steve's talking to Nancy, but it's like he's a different person. And like she yeah. gets to acknowledge that too. And so even those other themes of the show, you know, like it is you know, it is this kind of sci-fi mystery elements of horror in it too, but it's also like it's coming of age for all these kids. So it's, it was really cool to see stuff like that where it's like, yeah, I, these, these rich character moments are the the things that I think people really love about this show. Even if it's like, Oh, that's not my like horror stuff is not my cup of tea. Someone might say, but like they love like having really well-developed characters. So I think, of this season, I felt like there were some of those really good moments like Max and Steve and stuff like that that I really enjoy. Even like, you know, like Dustin and Eddie had some really good ones. And I think that was the thing that I really enjoyed about this season that, you know, I think the other seasons, they do have their different strengths. Um, but I think this one had some of those stronger character moments. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons, like, for me... As I look at it, like I would probably put it in the top two of the seasons thus far. Mm-hmm. I um, agree with everything that you guys have said. Generally, I think this the Max episode was. If you were going to go and maybe choose an episode to go and show somebody to explain why this show is a great show, that's the episode I would show. It's like almost self-contained yeah. in a way, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think that was something that kind of demonstrates sometimes why episodic television within a serialized story is good that you can kind of just focus on one character and kind of deliver a statement or a theme with that character mm-hmm. that was really powerful i agree also that vecna was pretty effective as a villain up until the last episode where then he, i think he kind of <laughs> fell apart but up until then he was very compelling to me it was good to have kind of a, I don't want to say a human face to the antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> but um, something that uh, speaks English. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I, mean, I also like Eldritch horror and all that stuff yeah. too. Yeah. Um, Lovecraftian stuff. I kind of am a little miffed that seemingly the mind flayer is kind of controlled by Vecna or created by him in a way because he likes spiders. I'm not really sure I, I <laughs> like some of that reveal or that reconning. Um, I think it's a little unclear like what the relationship is because obviously he was a shadow that Vecna went and formed um, himself. So he right. existed before <clears throat> Vecna. But anyway, my, my point is, is that I'm not sure ultimately I like where the implications of this are going, especially now that Vecta's kind of gotten his ass kicked by kids um, multiple <laughs> times he's been punked by them. I'm not really sure his threat is that compelling anymore 
but up until the last episode, where he should have just straight up killed people instead of monologuing all the time, um, <laughs> I did think that he was pretty credible as a villain. He he was different for the show, which was good. Uh, it yeah. kind of needed a, a shot in the arm on that front. Um, just have a villain who was doing things a little bit differently than just you know taking over people's minds or whatever. Um, and you know the horror aspect of it, I thought was pretty well executed. I'm glad that it kind of brought back the horror because it had been kind of missing for a while from the show. I know, yeah. I mean, there was body horror in the third season too, yeah, and, but, and other yeah. things, but it it was different this go around, and I enjoyed that. And some of the kills were actually pretty brutal. I actually spoke with some yeah. people who um, had some problems with that. I think yeah, that, like, I've a heard lot of people too. with like a lot of people with like families and kids were really put off by that stuff and haven't felt that great about this season as a result, but I kind of wanted more of it. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's fine. Here's yeah. the thing. I feel like and I've talked about this before. I feel like every kid needs that thing that kind of fucks them up a little bit. <laughs> I, I, also agree with you. I saw like already so, movies when I was like four or five. So I have no yeah, problem with it. So I, I think, I think this is like the perfect thing to introduce your kid, like maybe a little too young and you're like, Oh mm. no, I hope that doesn't do anything. And then they're like, well, that's in my head for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, I, I would just also add, so we're not just repeating what we've all said before, but the technical production of the show still remains top notch. Yeah, um, yeah. In comparison to the show that we just reviewed, Obi-Wan, where <laughs> yeah. there's just, from a writing standpoint, there were problems, but then also from so a many. directing standpoint, a production side standpoint, yeah. that show felt really sloppy and amateurish, and I did not see most of the budget on screen for large chunks of it. This yep. one I felt like effectively utilized as budget. Uh, it was filmed and directed yes. phenomenally it for the most so part. Good. Um, it, you know, I, like I think the last episode there were some weird choices in terms of portraying Vecna and Eleven's mind battle, which is you just push people. Like I, I don't know, there needs to be some better way of communicating action between <laughs> telepaths um, than just flinging people across rooms. But um, in general, the direction's really strong. The production, like the the sets, all that stuff, the scale of it is insane. And I have to really commend them for that. It feels like it was a better use of the budget than, for example, the second and third season, you could tell they had an increased budget, but then they kind of just like squandered it on a bunch of needle drops, it felt like, and licensing, and <laughs> or we got like a mall, so we're going to do all the 80s mall things. Yeah, and yeah. This one, I felt like it was more effectively utilized in my mind. And so I'll go and give it huge props for that. It was like an incredible display of, um, I think, artistry in a lot of like respects. Mm -hmm. uh, Cinematography is great. Moody, like the lighting, the mood, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Um, yeah. Even the Neil drops, which got like sometimes a little tiresome in other seasons. I felt like for the most part, they were pretty good and appropriate this go around. I mean, obviously, everyone's talking about the Kate Bush song. So those are all the strong things, in my opinion. I wrote a, a whole thing on this recently, actually, about like the music in Stranger Things and whether this is just the show embracing the fact that people seem to really dig the music in it. But I like that music is now actually becoming part of the plot. I mean, the mm -hmm. two major moments are uh, the Kate Bush moment and the Metallica moment, and both of them are two of the best uses of music in Stranger Things, I think, in the whole thing and they they're so they're so effectively used but they, they are part of the plot they are not just a cool song to to chuck in the background it's like they are they are there and they are present and they had a, a tiny tiny little bit in series one with with the clash song that is 
kind of Will's Kate Bush, basically. Um, mm-hmm. The song that, that that protects him or that is his link mm-hmm. to, to the real world. Um, but just incorporating that more and more so the songs are part of the, the plot, I really liked. And also, speaking of the, the effects and, and how great those are, it blew my tiny little mind when I realised that Vecna, they actually not just a guy in a suit but they put the guy in a suit and that wasn't Mm -hmm. that was incredible i mean you've probably all seen the videos right where it's jamie campbell bauer like getting into the the vecna suit and he's just like sipping a starbucks and tweeting or something it's it's real funny (laughs) (laughs) but the the fact that it's not just like another guy like it's actually him in the suit i think (laughs) i'm actually quite impressed by but also just it looks it looks amazing. And even, like, yeah. uh, Millie Bobby Brown didn't shave her either. head this time yeah. either. Like, that was a wig. <laughs> like, yeah, the that wig attention is crazy. to detail. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, I agree. I think um, I think I was maybe less impressed with some of, some of the technical aspects than you guys. Not to bring it down again, but <laughs> they were saying that they spent an average of $100 million on every episode of this, which means they spent almost a billion dollars on one season of television. <laughs> Um, and so there were certain moments where I was like, where's the hundred million dollars here? Like some of the screen screen in like Russia in particular is real rough. Um, and yeah, then Russia in general looked pretty it, bad. Like the prison yeah. set was not very good in my no. opinion. Yeah. So like, so I think maybe, I don't know if you guys knew that's what the budget for each episode was roughly, but I think that maybe colored some of how I felt about mm. that. But the positive stuff is, uh, once again, I think Joe Keery is such a, like, magnetic performer. I think he's just so charismatic. Um, and just, like, my eyes are glued to that dude whenever he's on screen. Like, he's <laughs> he's so, he's just so, like, naturally kind of charming and, like, I don't know. Best head of hair on television, too. Um, and that, yes, obviously, that episode four um, is great. It's um, It's also nice to have something to point, like, someone who's experienced loss to that's uh not harry potter anymore um because <laughs> uh I, I think like i think the thestrals in harry potter are actually a very great representation of like what it's like after you've lost someone close to you and like people don't really get it and then but the people who do do get it um but this is a very like more it's obviously a much more personal and longer explanation than that one scene in you know uh harry potter and even just a couple paragraphs in the book mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I think Sadie Sink is real great this whole season, but that episode in particular, just like the portrayal, like where she goes emotionally with that character is tough, I think. And um, it's really honest, and I like that. Um, it seems like whoever was involved with this is also intimately familiar with the process of grieving someone. And so um, it also makes me laugh slash happy every time sean levy's name comes up on these things which is a lot because i always Mm -hmm. forget he's involved with the show and like i love this show but i see his name on stuff and i'm like that guy made night at the museum like that's so so free guy (laughs) like this is the director of free guy making some of the best serialized television out there right now um uh, i think the other thing too which i cut out of one of our other podcasts uh I think they do nostalgia better than anything else trying to capitalize on nostalgia in that it does not ever, I think, terminate on itself. By which I mean, 
none of this stuff is in there for you unless it's in the background. They do this sometimes in the background, but it's not a focus. They don't pay special attention to it. There, None of it exists for you to just like recognize thing. Like mm-hmm. none of it is in this show for you to turn into the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing gif of like, yeah. oh, hey, I understood <laughs> I that, that reference. Yeah. Like it's all in terms of a larger thing, right? Sarah, you already mentioned Jaws, right? Um, so mm-hmm. Chrissy is the first victim in Jaws. She's the first victim in this. You don't need to know that to enjoy that episode, but we know that and it's great. Like it just, it all enhances like having that knowledge, like having a wide knowledge base of the the pop culture that this show is referencing only makes it better instead of you having to either be in on the joke or it serving like, you know, younger boomers slash older Gen X people who were alive for this to be like, hey, dopamine. Like, I understood. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and like even Eddie, right? So his name's Eddie Munson, mm-hmm. Eddie Munster. Um, but also Eddie is the name of, and they give him one of the tapes later in the season. Um, Eddie's the name of the like skeleton mascot that Iron Maiden has. And so uh, later in the season when they're like, we need music. And Robin's like, you know, the Beatles or uh, Madonna, whatever. And he's like, this is music. He's holding an Iron Maiden tape. Yeah. Um, And then Eddie Van Halen, he plays guitar. Uh, Eddie plays guitar, right? One of the most famous, you know, kind of hair metal guitarists of all time. So all those layers of references, you don't need to like Eddie as a character, but if you know them, you're like, oh, hey, cool. Like, I understand why they would name this character Eddie. And I think that every thing they do does that. There was even one uh, there was even one moment that I felt like was a middle finger to someone who was being very pedantic about this way back in season one. So uh, in season one, Mike's basement, they have a poster for the thing. And some film critic who will remain nameless tweeted they wouldn't have had a thing poster because the thing wasn't a hit when it came out in 1982 and also it would have fold marks on it uh because they folded posters in the 80s and they didn't roll them up so it shows bad (laughs) who cares one who cares two in this season in Will's room, he has a Jaws poster in the background that has fold marks on it. And I was like, oh, that feels like it was super on purpose. <laughs> um, that, that they saw that tweet and were like, you know what? Screw you, man. We're going to put a fold marked uh, uh, poster on here. And uh, so that made me laugh. But once again, the amount of terminally online you have to be to understand that uh, is ridiculous. If that was the intention. Um, and so I just, and, and, you know, I, people made a big deal out of this too. Like Winona Ryder said that she's constantly having to like fact check the Duffer brothers cause they want to use a song. And she's like, well, this came out two years after the year we're doing it here. I don't care. I think they should do it anyway, because they're not, I mean, I know they're setting it in specific eighties years, but they're aping an aesthetic rather than trying to tell an accurate story about the 1980s. Like, I think if they're, you know, I think they should just lean into that all the way. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm also the guy who was super okay with like Doja Cat being on the Elvis soundtrack too. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I think, 
I think for the story they're trying to tell, they they can they can mess around with like the years certain things came out. Um, but I think they do all that very, 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 very well, better than anything else that's kind of trying to trade in on your nostalgia um, these days, with the exception of like Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick also does this very well. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that's largely, and that's a positive that's happened throughout every season. And it's nice to see it happen again here. And the the horror, to touch on that a little bit, I think is very good. Uh, my only hang up with that is if you're going to lean this much into horror, a lot of particularly 1980s horror is a lot of teenagers getting murdered. <laughs> and, um, you know, in this, like they talk about there's only four victims. It's not a lot for even a horror movie. And now you've got, what, 14, 16 hours of, of essentially Nightmare on Elm Street that you're trying to tell. Um and so that kind of like that the horror is really well executed but for me it's like a lot more of these characters need to be dying to really lean into the horror stuff. And so I guess I mean there's multiple ways to approach it. It's not bad or wrong, but I think if they really wanted to lean even more heavily on that horror stuff that they were trying to this season, they would have taken out a couple other characters and some major ones at that cuz most in most horror movies like this, it's just the major characters who are getting killed off. So, uh, yep, that's that's my positives, though, is it's it's just really it's really smart in terms of the way it re- uses its references. It's not mm-hmm. just referential to be referential. I think mm-hmm. uh, to for the most part as well, they are they are pretty bang on with their using a song that that has already come out. I think someone not me worked it out that when this is set was like two or three weeks after master of puppets came out which meant that eddie learned how to shred (laughs) master of puppets (laughs) in like two to three weeks and i appreciate the commitment that it takes to to do that but also these like subtle references i think are so great because they're not getting them is not uh you know if you get them or you don't get them it's not going to affect your enjoyment of it at all but if you get them there is something Mm -hmm. very very satisfying about it and one that i will not take credit for i will give the credit to my husband for is that there's they use i think it's the part of the score from the 1986 film the hitcher um Mm. and so that film came out in the same in the same year that this is set which is 1986 and I don't even know how he knew that, but he's seen that film a lot of times and he's like, oh, that's they're using the score from from the Hitcher. And they just kind of like weave it into like the normal Stranger Things background score. But that mm. was a real thrill for him to <laughs> to realize that that very yeah. obscure reference was in there. The same with me and MJ immediately DMing each other that, you know, about Chrissy in the in the first film. And she's a young blonde girl as well. So <laughs> yeah. we're like... Yeah. That when you, that just adds an extra layer to it. I think that makes this series so great that there are these extra things there. That attention to detail, this really tapping into nostalgia and doing it well. Because there's nothing I hate more than something that's like, "Hey, remember this thing that you used to like?" I just find it really egregious when it when it's done poorly. Mm-hmm. But this isn't that at all. It feels authentic because it's. This is the year this is set. These are what these kids are listening to, playing, watching, whatever. So there are those references 
to it there. I mean, I think the the Nightmare on Elm Street with the inclusion of Robert England is perhaps a smidge on the nose, but I also, yeah. I also, I also quite enjoyed it. So <laughs> also, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do, I do kind of want to talk about that. Did you guys have any? strong feelings about the uh the robert england uh cameo because i thought when he first got revealed i well i had actually seen it on twitter and i was like oh no but then i thought that scene was really compelling and one of the better scenes of the first part of the season um so it was fine but yeah that's basically what my thoughts were too i liked Mm -hmm. it i thought he did a good job it was worth it the cameo was worth it in my opinion yeah and i wouldn't like to the point where i wouldn't mind seeing another scene with him later on like in season five or something yeah, I feel like they have to. I think they have to kind of bring him back in somehow, in some way. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see where they go with that. One thing that I liked about the ending was is that finally the Upside Down's invading Hawkins. Yeah. I felt like that yeah. needed to happen on this show. Yeah. Uh, and so I am excited for the next season because I like maybe the setup of some things. I'm a little bit dreading where it goes because... Um, I could see a very likely scenario where they start out the season where the military kicks them out of Hawkins and they're all split up and they have to like get the band back together to get yeah. into Hawkins. Cause I heard that there's a time skip possibly being planned. No! That too. No! Yeah. Which, which means that they got kicked out. Like it, <laughs> Damn it, means, it. Yeah. Uh, man. Brothers are saying that, that it's going to be a shorter season or something like that, which is okay. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, the fact there's a time skip means that they're going to be broken up and going to have to get the band back together. And that uh, part of it, I'm not no. a fan of. We're t- um, we do that but every I, season. I want to see like crazy, freakish, hellish Hawkins, like yeah. you know, upside down invading the world and yeah. the, the military having to deal with it, all that kind of stuff. That stuff like gets me excited. I like seeing yep. kind of this apocalyptic scenario finally playing out. Um, but it's fraught with a lot of potential for time wasting, which I'm not so excited about. Yeah, I didn't know about the time skip because the my favorite one of my favorite things about the ending is how it ends where it's like, oh, this is going to pick up like seconds later. Like I, I, I'm a sucker for that kind of storytelling of like, I think that's one of the things that makes me love the John Wick movies, too, is like they pick up literally like seconds after the first one or the previous one ended. Mm -hmm. Um, And so which makes it like the worst week anyone's ever had. (laughs) Um, And so uh, it just makes me laugh that that that's what happens in those movies. But I just I think it's a really neat way to tell a story to like end something and then pick it up right there. Yep. the next time you start like the season or the sequel or whatever so that bums me out a lot actually <laughs> yeah i think the reason why they want to do it is to maybe make the characters age finally reflect the actors but <laughs> i think it's already been violated at this point anyway yeah, who so cares keep going yeah yeah so we'll see where that goes maybe maybe it won't be so bad but i i can kind of tell given their tendencies and how they write that what I'm thinking could be the case. My worst fears might actually come to pass. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, because one of the things that I like, this is a more meta thing, I guess, is that, um, none of these kids are in the Marvel universe. I like that. Uh, cause I'm tired of Marvel taking everyone who's good, but, <laughs> um, or he even has like a little bit of heat on them, but like, the only one of these actors who's appeared in an MCU movie so far has been David Harbour. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I, 
I'm for it. Like, I think if they have like an ironclad contract, it's like, hey, you can't do anything until this is over. I really appreciate that. And like, yeah, they got hamstrung by the pandemic, but that wasn't their fault, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, unless, you know, the refers are not telling us something we need to know. And uh, (laughs) yeah, so I don't understand why we need to keep breaking the kids up. Like, I know Millie Bobby Brown was in those Godzillas and she was in those Anola Holmes movies and like Finn Wolfhard did like it and the turning of the screw but i haven't seen any of these other kids in much of anything mile hawk was in once upon a time in hollywood that's about it like that's that's the extent to which i can name these kids resumes outside of stranger things so i don't know why they need to be like split up so much maybe covid for the previous for this season and then the previous season was when like it and godzilla and uh you know holmes and all that and hellboy and black Widow were all filming but yeah, I, I I don't know why we keep doing this to these characters because they work best, I think, as an ensemble in one location that then gets to split up and then come back to a home base. Yeah. Do intel with each other and then split up again. Do int- rinse and repeat until the villain's defeated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, it sounds like they're going to keep all the characters in or around Hawkins this go-around or the okay. next go-around. So that's good, at least. But... um they're going to find ways to go and break them up and have them get reacquainted or whatever. So I'm interested yeah. to see how they go about doing that. I I don't know how true this is, but my, my friend who is uh, a huge Stranger Things fan said that for the, because Series 5 will be the last season, mm-hmm. um, that they want to try and bring back more of that, like season, season one, season two dynamic where Good. they're, they're kind of all together they're not they're not split up they're not in different parts of of the country and i mean it it took a long time to get you know the russia crew back from russia but they are back now and everyone is in hawkins and everyone was everyone is where they need to be so if there is a time jump i would still like them all to be in one place i don't want them to be to be separated because and you know having recently rewatched series one and two there's so much great stuff in in those seasons because it is yep. very these characters are, are all in the same place. I mean season 2 like 11 and Mike are, are separate for most of that series yet they're both in yeah. Hawkins. So you can do it. You can have these different character dynamics and these different pairings and stuff. They they work very very well. And I mean the the worst episode of series 2 is the one where 11 is pissing about with her sister which we skipped on this rewatch because <laughs> who uh-huh. has time who has time for that one really is um, that the the lost is that sister the one where she joins the gang yeah, yeah look, do you know what's so wild about that not to deviate that's too much. in season two yeah, yeah. it's right. i think it's episode seven uh seven or eight looking at husband to confirm that but yeah it's the the episode before that ends with like the the monster kind of crawling out of this hole in Hawkins lab and if you yep. just skip the lost sister and and do the episode after that it starts where that episode left off so you gain absolutely nothing from that episode so we always skip it when we rewatch it and i would encourage other people to do the same because it's very very bad but anyway <laughs> proves that uh, in a long-winded way proves that we don't necessarily need all of these characters swanning off on their own adventures they are best when they're together when they're an ensemble and if season five if rumors are to be believed that they want to go back to that 
kind of vibe of of uh, season one, season two, and bring it back full circle, then I I support that. I hope they go down that route without too much of a time jump. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Just having watched all the seasons very recently, I like I get that mechanism of storytelling of splitting people up and having different groupings of them and sometimes like it you get some really good chemistry but i think for for longer parts of the season that's where it it feels like it just drags and because i feel like a lot of these characters are better together as like an ensemble and it's okay if like for an episode or two it's like they split up and it's like okay we'll do this we'll do this and then they come back together but to have them separated for so long i just feel like it, the show loses a, a piece of like that that dynamic, which is like some of these characters are just really good playing off of each other, and so it's like oh, like the California people just like it feels like they're just out there and they're not really like consequential to or part the of the action. Yeah, like yeah. it's like okay, they helped Eleven make the Sentry deprivation tank, and it's like okay, but like what else did they do in this season? They just were like there and. So there it's were stuff two like that. Hope... And... Yeah. And like, yeah. they didn't even like really move that arc forward of like, are they going to do anything with Jonathan or with Will's character? I guess yeah. not. So like, I hope in season five, it is more of a contained akin to season one or two, where it's like, we're all here in Hawkins. Like we're, we're together. We might split up for different things, but it's not like, I mean, even season three to a certain degree, it's like, I know some people really liked like, and I like some of the pairings, but the four kids being stuck like in the underground thing of yeah. the mall for like half the season yeah. and not interacting with the other kids. It's kind of like, okay, there, there's some good stuff there, but also it, like they're kind of missing the whole rest of the plot that's happening. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and if you haven't had the original four kids, the four friends be together, I think since the first season. And yeah. I think that, you know, that was part of the charm of the show. I mean, Will got abducted really fast. So it was really like the original three kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really even a factor for most of that season. Um, you haven't seen like these people really interact with each other to the degree that I think is what endeared people to this show. And some of the pairings are good. Um, some of the chemistry yeah. is good. Um, but then there are other pairings where there's seemingly no chemistry being dem demonstrated <laughs> to me. Um, and then when you're stuck with that entire group for an entire season, it lends itself to that quality where you feel like it's being a little repetitive whenever it cuts back to it. Cause yeah. you're not seeing anything new. Like some of these combinations aren't as good as some of these other combinations. And yep. so one thing that I hope the last season will do is we'll go and have, if we're going to have people pair off and do stuff, maybe change up the pair ups or whatever. So it's not feeling like, all right, we're on like the seventh, version or the seventh scene of this pairing like yeah. you know in the seventh episode like okay when we can mm -hmm. when can we get to you know 20 minutes from now when the pairing that i'm or the group that i'm really caring about is on screen again yeah yeah well and like this season they they they, they and i kind of admire them for this but they broke the tried and true formula of steve and dustin but i kind of mm -hmm. missed it at the same time like him and eddie have really good chemistry but it just felt like well yeah i could be watching eddie and dustin but i could also be watching Steve and Dustin. Like, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather do that. Mm -hmm. And, like, I thought Eddie was a good character. I liked him. I liked his performance. He's a little too British-looking to be American. Um, <laughs> but uh, so is so is Jonathan. Um, but, 
Yeah, like I was like, oh, I think that dude's British, and then I watched an interview with him, and I was like, yeah, I, I knew it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I I I understand the temptation to break them up, but I also don't because they're like the fan favorite, like you know, power duo of the show. So like, mm-hmm. even when things are not going that great, and I liked all the stuff with um Steve and Eddie and Robin and Nancy, but. I just wanted Dustin along for the ride as well. Like he, he had so much like, uh, he's so dynamic with, with Joe Keery and their, their chemistry is like off the charts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Uh, changing gears just slightly with regards to the lore of this whole series, you can kind of tell that the Duffer brothers realized that the story was kind of going nowhere after season three in terms of like the greater mysteries of the upside down or anything like that. And they, they definitely brushed up or tightened up whatever like series Bible that they have um, and what they're referring to. So that felt good. It felt like a good shot in the arm for like, finally they're kind of explaining some stuff about the upside down. There's still some things that aren't explained obviously, but it was more than just people are trying to open up a gate. A monster's trying to get through mm-hmm. and eat people, you know, for, which is what we <laughs> had for the first three seasons. This one felt a little more purposeful, like, okay, we have an end in mind now and we're going for it. And, you know, while I think it could have gotten to a little bit faster, there is like kind of a renewed purpose behind the show, which yeah. I think is good. My only issue with it is, is that you can also kind of tell they didn't really think a lot of this stuff through in the beginning of the show because – the way Vecna now has kind of taken over the series kind of seems to contradict what I think like some other seasons were setting up. Um, Eleven's character, she could barely talk. She barely understood the concepts, like basic concepts um, in the first season. And now she's having like full conversations with Henry in or one um, in the lab in these flashbacks before she supposedly like had an ability to even speak coherently. So there's little things like that where, I'm not sure that some of the, the retroactive uh, continuity changes that they're doing really fit with the show as it was originally designed in the first season. Um, but, I mean, this is kind of the price that you pay for trying to answer these things and probably not having a super coherent, fleshed-out answer either. Yeah, I think... Because um, mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking about this a lot during the last couple episodes about just how, like, does this show... I mean... Sarah and I both like this show, but does this show have lost disease? Like, is it? Mm. Is And I don't think so. It seems like they're answering, like, and I'm fine with some unanswered questions because some stuff ultimately kind of doesn't matter. But I know yeah. that's like a big criticism people have of Lost. It's like, there's a lot of big unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're going to have a lot of big unanswered questions. Like, there's going to be a couple like, hey, wait a minute type things. But I don't think, I don't think it's going to be too crazy. And I also am wondering... Um, this might just be like the board gamery part of my brain and the D and D part, but like, do you guys know if they're working with wizards of the coast to get some help from some of the D and D lore writers to kind of help them along with that? I think it would be a smart idea if they were, um, hmm. to kind of, cause they're, they, I mean, they have bonded those IPs so like together now <laughs> yeah. that, that they're yeah. like, I feel like they almost would have to do that. Um, because Vecna has been a character in, D for a really really long time so you know and like so are i think all the other kind of villains that they mentioned they they're all from D, but now like now we've got like a, a humanoid creature that speaks to the characters that mm-hmm. they're drawing a direct parallel to that game with so i almost wonder if they brought in some lore writers to kind of help them 
find some parallels between maybe and i don't know vecna's backstory in D D. so I, I almost wonder if they brought someone in to kind of help them guide along like hey if vecna were in the upside down here's kind of how he would operate the way like in a similar way he does in the world of D D. yeah um i i wonder that too um i mean i don't know anything really much about D D, but my understanding is from what i read online was that like the demogorgon is kind of like a higher level monster or something yeah. like that and, and then they've made it basically like a lackey mindless thing in, <laughs> yeah. in the show and so whatever order they had of the villains and the mind flayer is i think maybe it's maybe just above that or maybe below yeah. that like, it's a little below as far as i know yeah yeah so um like they messed up kind of the rankings of these things a bit um so maybe yeah maybe they brought on somebody more recently but it feels like there's more purpose or intentionality behind what they're attempting to do now with the upside down and also the revelation that um the upside down is kind of stuck in the, the date that will was sent there it was mm-hmm. interesting because mm-hmm. vecna when he got sent there it was all kind of formless it wasn't really resembling anything and that was before will got there so obviously there's some sort of like connection of did will's will um get imposed upon yeah. like the upside down or create it in a like the, in its current form so i think there's like some interesting mysteries that are being set up um i'm curious yeah. to see how they resolve them and that's more interesting than i've been in the upside down aspect of the show because i think it's been neglected in a while i think that the and I hope that they do see this through, that there is still something connecting Will to the Upside Down. I mean, I've read in like, some theories that he is sort of going to be- become like the villain or that there is still obviously a connection that he has to it, which I think is one of the, the few things that has connected all of the series. I mean, we saw it less in, in this one. Um, mm-hmm until kind of right at the end but yeah that that idea that the upside down in its current form is kind of locked locked in time and it is significant that it was the you know the day or whatever that that will went into the upside down i i would love that idea to be explored more in the next season and have more explanation i guess about how all these things tie together because i think that was lacking from this series like yes they talk Mm -hmm. about it being this hive mind that everything in the upside down is connected and vecna is at the center of all of it and that's all well and good but where was vecna in you know seasons one to three like how does the mind flayer Mm -hmm. tie into all of these things why will what is will's connection to all of that and i I hope that the last season sticks the landing because I really want a good, <laughs> well thought out <laughs> explanation on all of those things, not just kind of like because plot and you know we're yeah. expected to just yeah. deal with it. <laughs> right. I, I want a good explanation. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say uh, to to both of your points, like I think there is an interesting, uh, like kind of premise, like unanswered questions about the upside down and there was a lot of stuff new information given about in this season and with Vecna like okay there's some interesting things here and I don't know if they're gonna be setting stuff up but like I I feel like a big one that we've kind of talked about is like you know it's frozen in time and time seemed to be a very prominent thing in this Mm -hmm. season tied to the upside down like whenever he'd show up it'd be like the clock and right. you know it chiming and it winding backwards and then Nancy having the vision of the future and so 
there was a lot of stuff like that 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 does have me interested of like okay what's gonna happen like i I have my own thoughts like theories i I wonder if like season five is gonna be like time-based or related something with like having to go in like the path not necessarily time travel but there's going to be something it it felt like it was it was hinted at so much like of there's time and there's clocks and like it's frozen in this specific time so i'm interested to see what they do with that but Sarah, like you were saying, I I really do hope season five sticks the landing because <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really enjoy this show and I would hate, you know, I hate for it to be like a lot of the shows like we probably have all seen where it's like, oh, it was great until the last season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't want to join that those shows where the ending's so bad that it retroactively kind of ruins your whole image or impression of yeah. the whole show. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is it's funny because I I didn't start Game of Thrones, and I was like, ah, maybe I'll wait till it's over and then see. Yeah, and then Game yeah. of Thrones ended, and everyone hated it. And I was like, don't have to watch it. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah I was like, I made the right call. But now, like, here's the thing: Stranger Things is kind of near and dear to my heart. In that, is one of the first shows that when I was kind of getting traction on like social media, is like, I don't know not like I'm popular on social media or anything, but like people like coming to me who I relatively don't know all that well. Right. Um, and like taking my recommendation seriously, I had so many people because I had posted about, uh, and even people I know, like Matthew, uh, Mike, your brother, uh, he was like, yeah, the only reason I got interested in it is cause I saw you post about it on Facebook. And then I had a couple people on Twitter who were like, yeah, I saw you post about stranger things season one. And I gave it a shot and I really liked it. And so, I've always been like kind of endeared to the show because of that. Like I've always felt like, I don't know, connected to it in a, in a strange way. And so if the end sucks, I'm going to feel real bad about myself. <laughs> well, should we bring it in for a landing? Yeah. Do you guys have anything else that you guys wanted to talk about? Uh, no, not really. It's weird. <laughs> Despite how long this was, I didn't really feel like there's as much to talk about it yeah. as um, something like Obi-Wan. I mean, I guess maybe because it wasn't like yeah. a disaster or anything no, like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something on the level of Jurassic World or something. Um, you know, overall, I think it still remains a good show. I think mm-hmm. it picked up in significant ways this season from the other seasons. Um by the end of the third season, I was kind of done with this series, to be yeah. honest with you. And it left me with a really sour taste in my mouth. And then, while I do say there's a little bit of a bitter one, again, um, with regards to this ending, I felt like, in general, I enjoyed it more. I, I came to like the characters again more, for the most part, because uh, I was kind of beginning to lose interest in some things. Um, and I thought it was stronger in general i think now there's kind of an end game in mind we'll see where the end game goes um because yeah it could fall flat on its face and then we'll be talking about it like we do game of thrones or lost well i don't think that lost was as bad of an ending just things leading up to it that was bad um <laughs> so you know overall i think it's one of the best executed shows i mean i made a quibble mm-hmm. with some directing choices or right. story directions but I do feel like generally you see the money that's put out there. And so yeah. it, it remains like a, a recommended show for me. Um, and uh, hopefully they go and stick the landing next season and then we can go and rank it among, you know, some of the best shows made uh, certainly among genre storytelling. It's, yeah. it's good at what it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's one of those good eighties things that 
exists in itself, doesn't require the callbacks for you to enjoy it or the I recognize thing, Leonardo DiCaprio stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's something to be appreciated. It's, it is an original thing. You know, it, it wasn't an, a new or it wasn't an IP that's being exploited. Yeah. And for that, you know, I think that it deserves some credit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I yeah. think it's ambitious. Yeah. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all I had. You can go, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I considering it is doing an what feels like an awful lot of setup for the final season, I still really really enjoyed what this season was was putting across and it didn't really feel like it was set up until kind of that final episode. I mm-hmm. I think because we spread out watching it, the the lengths of the episodes didn't super bother me. They did Return of the King it uh, in the final <laughs> one, which is always always annoying when that happens. Um, but up to that point, I did I wasn't really feeling the the length of the episodes. It might help the fact that uh, because we have a puppy, we can't really watch something for more than about 45 minutes at a time without being interrupted. <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of accidentally broke up watching the episodes, uh, which mm. which did help a little bit. I can only imagine, MJ, how <laughs> hard it was watching <laughs> these yeah, two things back to back in quick succession. But I hope that the next series goes back to normal length episodes. And I say this from having watched some of the older seasons recently that it being sort of like 45 minutes an hour perfect you it's it's in and out Mm -hmm. it's done it still tells an effective story they can even make it more episodes if they want if they go back to being shorter i mean i don't want i don't think i want more than 10 i don't think it needs more than 10 um but 10 at sort of 45 to 50 minutes would be perfect i think to to tell the story they have left to tell but yeah on on the whole i i really really enjoyed this season i i will decide properly when i finished rewatching them but i think it probably is my favorite season even though i have problems with some aspects of it which i think just speaks to the quality of of the show in general that there mm. can be issues but it still be as great as it is yeah i would I would agree with what you have all shared. I I would still highly recommend this show. I think, like I said at the beginning, it's one of the best executed and produced shows that you can watch right now, just in terms of all the design and cinematography and direction, um, storytelling for the most part. Like, it mm-hmm. just, it feels like people care about this, mm-hmm. um, where there's so many shows and movies nowadays where it's just, it's very clear the lack of, you know, people have no care or desire to see these things succeed or they don't actually really care um, about the story or the characters. It's just to sell money. And so I really appreciate Stranger Things for, like, just it has that integrity about itself. And, like, we've talked about its integrity, how it handles nostalgia, and just that it was a new idea, you know? Mm -hmm. It wasn't just nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia. It was, like... There's a original story and original characters, and it's going to endear us to those characters and to this concept. And yeah, like we're in the fourth iteration, so there's some things like we've said we're we're a little tired of seeing. They need to mix it up. 
there's some things that like don't work or there's something like ah, I prefer in this season but on the whole I feel like the show is very consistent and it's really good and I wouldn't have an issue with recommending it to anybody and again like we're saying I hope season five really sticks the landing so this can be like yeah this is one of like the best genre shows like you know that I could recommend somebody to watch but yeah, I'd highly recommend, you know, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you hadn't watched it, but <laughs> I'd highly recommend like watching this show because it's just, there's so many good things to appreciate about it. it can I just say one thing about the integrity? I feel like yeah. it began to lose a little bit of its integrity the third season because yep. if you went to like a, a spirit Halloween, there was like yeah. Robin and Dustin ice cream parlor like costumes. Yeah. And there was like the Baskin Robbins collaborate. Like it felt like yeah. it began to infect the show. But then this season took like a hard turn away from that. Yeah. And I felt like it yeah. gained its integrity back. And yeah. And I, yeah. It, it, and it didn't care about like, oh, your kids might be disturbed watching a villain go and crumple up <laughs> a human body. You know, yeah. like, like it made choices. And yeah, they, no, yeah. they might alienate people. And I wish you would make even more of those choices with regards to maybe killing off some fan favorites. But I think it got its integrity back. And I really appreciated that. Also, it's going to make for some dope Vecna costumes this Halloween. People who ho- <laughs> there are going to be people who homemake Vecna costumes for even probably for Comic-Con next week or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to look awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I hear, uh, I hear you on that. Yeah, I hear you on that, Mike. I I kind of like as I since I've watched them all close together, I kind of viewed like the whole mall thing as like, oh, it's kind of leaning into some of these '80s tropes, but maybe mm-hmm. a little bit too much. But because it was like, oh, they have the mall, they're gonna do like the montage thing, they're gonna play like Material Girl, they're gonna like, yeah. But I I can see what you're saying of like, yeah, it kind of started to feel a little bit like toe in the line, but then mm-hmm. they definitely pulled it back from that in terms of season four. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only two things I have is like, I didn't love the character, but it made me laugh that Argyle was the name of their driver because it's a diehard reference. Um, <laughs> and uh, two, I don't really, we don't have time because Mike, I know you have to go soon. Uh, but I, this, the, the one of my big criticisms, I don't want to leave it on negative. One of my big criticisms <laughs> of the show, and it's not even necessarily the show's fault. It is for having such long episodes is that I just feel like I don't know what TV is anymore. Um, so, so like, like to me, like TV is like a 40 minute to one hour drama or like 15 to 23 minute comedy. That's TV to me. And like, there's TV movies and like different genres within that, but that's what TV largely is. And so now in the age of streaming, like we're kind of like muddying the water of what that is. And I don't know what to make of it. So like now we have it's tv but it's as long as any movie i can go watch right now you know Mm -hmm. like i what okay then why would i the person who likes movies more than tv aside from the fact that i've invested three seasons into this now watch this over a movie that i would i want to watch would i like that medium more and like Mm -hmm. there's this show out called the bear which is fantastic it's on hulu it's only on hulu but it's being billed as an fx show FX is a television channel on cable. So it's like yeah. Hulu presents FX's The Bear. And it's like, wait a minute, like what? The show's not airing on FX. It's just on Hulu. They released it all at once. It's not even airing weekly. You can go watch the entire first season this second on Hulu. And it's like, well, that's not an FX show. That's a Hulu show. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And so like, I like the stuff that I'm watching, but it's just like, what? 
is this even? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a conversation to be had, I think, about where we're going in the streaming age where yeah. you know, a television show, I don't want to say it used to be something that's just disposable, um, right. but it's definitely treated that way. But now I have to have more investment in these TV shows than an average movie. And mm-hmm. somewhere the wires got crossed or the streams got crossed. Yeah. Um, but yeah um anyway that's that's my last kind of two cents on stranger things it's good watch it if you like stranger things, especially if you like stranger things and you haven't seen it i don't know why you didn't listen why you listen to this podcast first but exactly uh <laughs> yeah um do you guys have anything to plug sarah uh shall i plug lj fam <laughs> yeah I sure save that. me a plug <laughs> yeah um i uh am on another podcast with mj which i'm sure uh if you listen to this you've heard lots about um, it's called Let's Jaws for a minute, and we were going minute by minute through Jaws. We have finished that now, and we're kind of branching out into covering things beyond Jaws. So we're going through the sequels at the moment, uh, and then we're starting our Spielberg season, and then we'll be covering lots of other exciting things after that. But um, yeah, you can find that wherever you find podcasts. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Looper. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned earlier I wrote a, a thing um, about the use of music in Stranger Things. So I um, am a feature writer for Looper um, and I've written a bunch of things over there. But definitely, I mean, if you enjoyed listening to us talk about Stranger Things, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy what I wrote about the music in Stranger Things. Uh, so if you just go to looper.com forward slash author forward slash Sarah Buttery, you can find all the stuff that I've written there um, or will probably be on my Twitter if not. And what's your Twitter handle? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm bad at this when I don't have a script. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Buddery. Cool. Uh, Corey, do you have anything to plug? YouTube channel. You can find me real filmmaking. I do stuff about filmmaking and cameras and all that goodness. Dope, Mike. Uh, just check out my book, The Ashen Prophecy, available on Amazon and Audible and Kindle different versions for different folks. Um, And then additionally, stay tuned for news about my next book as well as uh, our next movies. That's exactly what I'm going to be heading out to is a meeting planning event for Mm. another film that I want to make. So um, yeah, keep on the lookout. Yeah. uh, Sarah's plug is my plug um, as we co-host the same show. I'm on a bunch of podcasts this month. Follow me on Twitter to find out uh, what they are. I don't know when any of them are coming out. So the best place to find it uh, at MJ Smith 891. Also watch the bear on Hulu. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's not something we're going to be doing on any show. Um, it's just, it's a really good show about the restaurant industry. If you like food and cooking, um, then I would highly recommend it. Um, unless you get stressed out easily because it's like uncut gems times a thousand. <laughs> um, <laughs> so keep that in mind. It's a very, the first, I've only seen the first two at this, at this point, but it it's uh it made me real jittery uh so take that as you will i know that's not the best sell for something like that but it's it's really well well acted also i thought the uh lead actor was aaron taylor johnson until the end of the second episode um he's not uh <laughs> yeah that's it uh until next time vecna's the bad guy there we go he is